And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast review where myself, Paul Muadib, and my wonderful friend Joseph Fremming uh, discuss albums from all over the board. Joe, how you doing tonight, buddy? It would have been better if I didn't have to hear this album. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing Like a Virgin, Madonna's second album, released in 1984. Uh, Joe, yeah, you kind of alluded to this. What, what, what do you know or what, what do you know of the Lady Madonna? Uh, what is there not to know? She's been famous our entire lives, Paul. Our entire <laughs> Live. I was born in 81 and she already had a, you know, she's just been uh, everywhere my entire life and she has a lot of good songs, mm-hmm. but I'll just say my biggest complaint with her is she never had a, a great album. Sure. Yep. And this is, this album we'll discuss does suffer from that, I think. And mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, it happened a lot in the eighties where yep. people were more focused on the singles mm-hmm. and the album fell by the wayside. So you'd get albums like this where it's like really got a lot of amazing singles on it. And then the rest of the songs fall flat. Yes. So we'll definitely, cause there's a lot I want to say about that, about this oh, album. Oh, and my, I also say the best, one of the best songs from this album, it's not even on the U S release. It got the, got the, the overseas ver- version that's into the groove. Oh not yes. On, not on this one. Not, not on the one we're reviewing. No, into the we're, groove. We're in America. We don't get into the groove. Yeah, no, we don't. Um, yeah, so as you said, Madonna for us has been famous our entire lives. Um, her really, I mean, her first album came out in 1983. Um, and she was a superstar. But even before that, what people don't realize is, is she was actually she had filmed the movie. Back in 1979, uh, a uh, did you know about this movie, the A Certain Sacrifice? Did you ever hear about this movie, Joe? If it's not Desperately Seeking Susan, I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> so it, it it's considered a 1985 drama because it was released in 1985 because um, it was shelved after it was uh, done in 1981. But it was a sh- oddball uh, independent film. Um, that was shot for like twenty grand, uh, and almost all the entire cast was unpaid. It's an exploitive piece of trash. Uh, it's got really, I mean, it's bad to the point where people have come out and um, have said that really the fact that Madonna was in it in 1979 was the only reason why the movie even sold as well as it did. Where there isn't really any figures on it. Um, is that and, like Sylvester Stallone softcore porno? Nailed it. Yeah, and it was by a Stephen um, Lewicki, and I don't really have much on this uh, Stephen John Lewicki um, in terms of like what he's all done. Um, he doesn't even have a wiki page. Um, <laughs> he he's got an IMDb page, and the only thing on it is this movie, and that he was in a documentary about this movie. 
Um, or was was a part of like a documentary of Madonna's, which happened to bring up this movie. So yeah, so actually she started as an actress in in 1979 um and then moved over to do music and that's like big in the club scenes too like she was like a personality in dance clubs and i think she might have done some modeling too correct yes no you're absolutely right yes she was a fixture in the new york club scene and she was a dancer um just you know absolutely this was one of those things um that 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 was her um, that was her thing. She's been around. I mean, you got to realize Madonna is also relatively young in terms of this too. I mean, she is only 63. So mm-hmm. she had like, like right away, like by the time she was 20, she was already a big deal um, in New York and doing that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, she was involved with David Gilroy. Um, if you, if you know who he is, he's the lead singer of the group breakfast club and then later went on to do like children's music. And she also brought the Beastie Boys on their ver- first big tour. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I forget what tour it was, but yeah, they they one of their big breaks was to opening up for Madonna, and uh, her audience didn't really get them. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> yeah. Shocker! But yes. it, it kind of goes to like she's like uh, like I have a lot of respect for Madonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she me too. takes a lot of chances and different music genres. So it's kind of crazy that she brought a bunch of nobody, no unknown hip hop guys from New York. Yeah. On a tour, so, no, that's fantastic. That was probably her virgin tour, I'm going to guess, because that was in 1985. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And, um, but no, Madonna, I mean, this, I mean, she's done movies, she's done music. And when I say music, it's not just she's writing music. Like, by the time she was doing this album, Like a Virgin, she was already pushing to be her own producer of, of her stuff. So, like, and, and we'll, let, well, let's get into this one. Let's get into Like a Virgin. So, um, it was released in 1984. Um, one of the things I really wanted to hear, and I think uh, I was, was the producer. I want to know who produced this oh, album. Yeah. And it turned out it was Niles Rogers, who I actually really enjoy. I like Niles Rogers. Oh, yeah. His uh, work on uh, Let's Dance with Bowie. Oh, so good. Fucking great. Like, and his cheek. Yes. And I love it. I, he's, he's, I have so much. I love Niles Rogers. Like, he's, he's like, you know, top tier, like, awesomeness in music history. And I, he, I don't think he gets enough accolades, even though, like, He's all over the map, but I think more people should know about him. Thank you. Thank someone else. Finally, Joe, finally, someone else gets my love of Niles Rogers. Like when he was doing, like when he got brought in to help with uh, Daft Punk, I was super like, people are like, oh, cool. Uh, Pharrell's on it. I'm like, fuck you, Niles Rogers on this goddamn thing. I need to have this album. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he has done work with. Diana Ross, David Bowie, In Excess, Madonna, Duran Duran. If you don't know Lashik and Sister Sledge, you're missing out. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's done a bunch of video games and movie soundtracks. The guy is a genius, like straight up genius. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is one of the this is a problem album. Um, so Madonna had her self debut, and let's let's also get in this a lot of musicians 
their second album is usually their is their make or break album, right? Like it's the sophomore album that gets it. You have to understand that with Madonna's first album, she had songs like Holiday, Borderline, and Lucky Star, which are all three very great songs. Um, at this point, she uh, knew what she wanted to do, and I think there was some issues here. Like she really wanted to be the producer. And then the 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 record company wasn't ready for it. They're like, this is only your second album. You know, they're looking at some people and they brought in Niles Rogers. People who um, they had actually talked about was um, uh, there was there, there was another um, uh, person that they were leaning on. Uh, it was um, Reggie Lucas. Um, and uh, well, the, Reggie Lucas was the producer of her first album and she didn't like some of the stuff that was done. So she didn't want Reggie Lewis back and she was going to do it herself. And there was talk about, well, you want to get princes produce producer, things like that. But again, they eventually landed on Niles. Um, Joe, what is your initial reaction to this album? I just want to hear what your initial thoughts were. Uh, it was, uh, outside the singles. Mm-hmm largely forgettable yes this is so this album as we talked about you know i brought it up i said hey we're gonna do one of you know one of two albums and we brought up the one that was kind of um i said it has some controversy for it the fact that this album is even controversial to begin with it like you know we talked about jokingly a little bit but not jokingly about how scared white america was of Two Live Crew and NWA. They were also scared of Madonna. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and that to me, this more so than anything, points to okay, this is truly, truly, truly how irrationally fearful white America was um, in, in the 80s. Like a virgin terrified people um it was brought up as one of the dirty um dirty 15 um it's touted as one of the um uh, uh moral decays of america that how dare this woman sing about lyrics like a virgin there and you know i will say there is some things in here and we'll we'll, we'll get to it um when we go and I think we'll go track by track because I, I do think there are some things to say here. Uh, but overall, yeah, it's it's a very forgettable album. Um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of her pro uh, a lot of my issues with Madonna's. She never really had a, a full out like great album. Mm -hmm. It was just always like single heavy with like two or three songs and then the rest is just uh I mean, it's like with her, your best. She's one of those situations where you're almost better off just getting the immaculate collection. That's yes. where that's all. That's all you're really going to need. Because mm -hmm. I don't see you're, anybody ever like pining to hear Angel or uh, Stay or She Shooby Doo. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Hundred percent. So let's start with um, let's start with Material Girl. Yep. Uh, this kind of this song. Uh, I mean, it gets, uh, much to her own uh, annoyance became her uh, kind of her nickname, the Material Girl. Yep, haunt her for the rest of her career. Kind whenever of. Whenever they see, whenever you see her on the 
on any sort of media. It's the material girl, Madonna. Yeah, I know, right? Which and the song is all like tongue in cheek about materialism in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and there 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 is a satire there, but I think there was people again. Why America was afraid, like a virgin, they took literally, like they took these things literal. And I do think there was this satire, tongue in cheek, as you said, with it, but it wasn't thing. Now, this is the thing that bothers me. We're going to start it right here with this whole album. The production of it to me is awful. Yeah, it's very tinny and thin. Yes, and which I the, don't ex- wouldn't expect from Niles Rogers. No, what had happened was. Jason uh, Corsaro, who was the record, uh, who was the record's audio engineer, produced, uh, persuaded Rogers to use a new technique called digital recording, which they believed was going to be the wave of the future. So they used a Sony 3324 uh, 24-track uh, digital tape recorder and a Sony F1 2-track during the mixing of the tracks. So what happened was Madonna recorded the lead parts of the song in a small wooden high p- high ceiling piano room, and then they placed these uh, these gobos around her, and had like these different ways of doing things. So that's what it was. So once the vocals met it, they added these keyboard parts from a which was this it was this really i mean you gotta think about again this is like 1983 when it's being recorded and it was this thing called a uh it was a sequencer called the prophet five which was a very very limited processor um so you know there was this new way of recording and i think they no one including rogers knew how to do it, but they all believed that this was going to be the, the future of recording. So they did it. So this is something that's very interesting where it, well, it didn't, I think work very well. This was the prototype for recording digitally going forward. Yeah. It sounds bad. It sounds bad. really uh, suffer i think over analog but that's just my opinion <laughs> and especially in the early 80s it was yeah. going to i mean it's just there, there's no if ands or buts about it you and i have talked about like uh we talked about earlier in our early episodes when we were hitting some of those 80s songs you had said hey i'd never listened to these albums because i hated that 80s sound i didn't realize there was 80s music out there that didn't have that 80s sound you know we yep. remember we had that conversation and i think it's because we look at things like madonna who was very prominent musically i think in our in our in our early and throughout the 80s where oh, she always kind of had this sound and i don't i personally don't like it but people went with it so yeah you had material girl um then you had angel <clears throat> which i mean yeah i guess you know it just feels like straight up outside of material girl like a virgin uh and dress you up mm-hmm. the rest of this just seems like filler yeah again, that's always been kind of like my complaint like because i would when i worked in record stores i'd throw on her albums mm-hmm. from time to time and i'd just be like man outside outside this and it was always like there was just like continuous like thing i can't find is like outside the singles this really doesn't do much for me it just kind of falls flat like they're just going through the motions just to pad out an album 
Yes. And this also points out with this song in general, there's also this other thing that Madonna does that I do not like. And it is that alto thing that she does um, that became kind of a signature for her where she has this very beautiful soprano voice. Um, and she has a great, you know, she does have a range, but she does this thing where she goes down here. And I, yeah. I, for whatever that comes up pretty badly in love. Don't live here anymore. Yeah, Right. Right. Yes, it does. It's very prominent in love. Don't live here anymore, but it also happens throughout this album. And I get it. I mean, cause again, I, I know it's a form of, 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 of dissonance. And <clears throat> I personally, as a musical artist, um, I love using dissonance. But I don't like using it in a vocal dissonance. I like using dissonance when it comes to um, musical. And if for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with dissonance, you have these chords that are supposed to go together, and you know where the notes are supposed to be. And the idea of using dissonance is you purposely use things that aren't supposed to fit in the place, so it makes it when it switches and does – the idea is, and the psychology and the musical theory is, it makes the parts when it finally does get to the parts that actually make sense musically, it opens that up and makes it more bright and apparent. Yeah. Uh, if people want to, like, a good example of it done well, I would say it would be, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yes, 100%. You know, where all of a sudden you get the, like, that, you know, that doesn't really kind of fit with, the other chord progressions and mm-hmm. drugs really lo- went heavy on that dissonance kind of thing. Was they, like, it wasn't just Nirvana. It was like Pixies and uh, Pixies, Soundgarden, Mudhoney, like all the, all the, that was kind of like, that's kind of like a lot of what the grunge sound was. Yes. Was yes. a lot of dissonance. Yep. Now another band though, that I think was really, really good at it was Pink Floyd. Yeah, uh, Pink Floyd was amazing. Adam Hart Mother. There's this whole part where it kind of goes off the rails and does these things, and it's an incredible amount of dissonance. And then when it crescendos in Adam Hart Mother, it just like when it clicks, it's like your brain is like so thankful for it that it just makes it that much more um, it, 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 climactic when it does. Yeah. I yep. think Echoes does a good job of it, too. Echoes, as well, does a great, that's a wonderful, yeah, thought of dissonance uh, and proper use of it. So then you have Like a Virgin. Now, this was, again, the track that got <laughs> her in trouble. Um, <clears throat> it, you know, and it wasn't. Women shouldn't be singing about sex, Paul. I mean, that's, well, this, is, this was Ronald Reagan's America. <laughs> this was Ronald Reagan's America. And what I loved, too, was she knew and she went on MTV's Music Award in uh, in 1984 and performed this in a white wedding dress. And this was, it ended with her basically pulling a prince before Prince pulled it in Purple Rain, which was her humping the floor and being very, very sexual right on MTV. And... And somebody please think about the children, Paul. Someone please think about think about the children. Please, please, please. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, this is still like one of the more still on a lot of people. Sh- uh, that that performance is on a lot of people's shocking list for what it occurred for. Um, <laughs> so benign by today's standards. It's so 
so benign, but because the you know it was brought up again by the by by the PMRC, uh, uh, the uh, uh, no, uh, yeah, yeah, the PMRC, um, part of that whole uh, dirty uh, the dirty fifteen, and they used <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like a virgin uh, as uh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't like a virgin. It was dress you up, but the whole album itself. But the lyrical content of "Dress You Up" was was very sexual, which, <clears throat> again, <clears throat> interestingly enough, there's other things on this album that I think were more apparent, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's so benign to the point where you know, like the last two albums we listened to, I wasn't gonna listen to my kids in the car. <laughs> this one, I was like, yeah, totally listen to. Oh, like no, no, I think NWA is all right. Yeah, NWA is fine, fine for me. I, I would two live crew. I could see. I think NWA because they actually had shit to say. And I think very good point. That stuff very is more relevant. But you know, I'm not raising your kids, man. No, so. no, 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 no. You bring up a very valid point. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, in, in, in there were songs. I should say. Let me say that yeah. there was no two live crew song. I was okay with. <laughs> there were certain NWA songs I was I was fine with. Let me let me put it that way. Okay. Yes, um, <clears throat> yeah, no, you know, and and the other thing is, I remember this sounding better production wise as a kid than I do now. Yeah, <laughs> and so one of the things I did when I was in the car that I, I played this song, and then I went over to Weird Al's, uh, like a surgeon. Uh, has better production. It has a better production. It is like <laughs> that was like on a, I think it was I believe it was his second album too. It, it was on his Dare to Be Stupid album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dare to Be Stupid album, which uh was, I believe, his it was his third album. It was his third album. Okay. But but that's also <laughs> the one where Devo got super upset with him for having done the song Dare to Be Stupid. Yeah. Be, because he did Devo better than Devo. He, he did Devo better than Devo. I've seen interviews with Mark, and he was like, who's the lead of, of Devo and later? Mark, Mark Mothersbrow, yeah. Yeah, Mark Mothersbrow. And he was like, when he did this, we all sat around and were just both astonished and pissed because <laughs> he had hit the sound that we had been trying to do and did it better than us like and with like, the lyrical content too which was hilarious because you know the whole de-evolution of evil <laughs> and shit like that and yeah yeah like they were just blown away that this fucking dork <laughs> <laughs> with, just, with an accordion with an accordion nailed this electronic you know satire you know as you said deconstruction so well and better than them yeah no it really was a blow to Debo. uh interestingly enough um, so yeah, I mean, but the production was even better than that. And I also think that's really cool. This is one of those things too, where I don't think like a virgin honestly would be as remembered as much if it wasn't for like a surgeon. Yeah. I would like, I would argue a lot of 80 songs that Al parodied would mm -hmm. largely be forgotten if it wasn't for him. <laughs> I would. Yes, I would completely agree with that. Um, I mean, no one really talks about, you know, I want a new drug. <laughs> <laughs> well, except when you get to the Ghostbusters lawsuit. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, well, well yeah, that's true. Uh, so then you had uh, over and over. <sighs> yeah. Nope. This was uh, this did nothing for me. 
it, the fact that it was four minutes was way, way, way too long. Well, um, those are pretty long, Paul. Well, yeah, but they're I all mean, like clocking at a form. I know. That's but, rough. you know, and other times I don't mind, but and like with the singles, I'm okay with. But when you're you're just padding stuff out, I'm just that's when I have a problem with it. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, so then you have love, love, don't live here anymore. This was the one I really just did not like, and that's what we talked about before when she tries to hit the lower register. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and the production sounds so corny. Yes, the production is corny. Yep, and and that's also a cover. Yeah, and it's just there's like it feels like there's no bass on this album, which is weird because it's she's no, especially at this time, known for dance. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. She's really known for dance at this point. Dance, yeah, no, this dance, dance pop music, and there's like really like I don't feel the bass. Maybe that was just me, but no, I didn't know. I again, I listened to it on, on on both in my car, and I have a Bluetooth speaker thing that I listen to around the house um, that has you know sound like a better uh, sound quality out of it. And no, I didn't really hear a lot of the bass. And again, I think they were going for a different type of arrangement than what Roy, uh, Roy, uh, Rose Royce had done with it. Um, it, you know, and then Jimmy nail, uh, also, uh, covered it later. Um, I, I, this is just, I get, I, I see what they're trying to go with and maybe had it been analog and not so of that eighties, really bad synth yeah. that I think it could have been much better. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It just, it suffers from bad production. It but. suffers from bad production because I mean, I'm looking at, it, they're saying, Hey, Madonna had never, um, uh, sang over, um, a live orchestra. So apparently there was a live orchestra, but it, the translation of it was really, really not great. I mean, if this is the song, it's kind of ballad. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, it didn't work for me. And like everything about it just hit me wrong, which is not a good sign. <laughs> when every element of a song is just like, it's like squirting lemon juice on a wound. Sure. You yeah. know, this kind of does that for me. Not like to that extent, like Lindsey Buckingham did, but it was like it was close. It was adjacent <laughs> to the lemon, lemon juice sting. You know, as much as I didn't like like the low notes that she was doing that she does, I felt was doing it too much. I do admit like, so there's a lot of this, like the first, honestly, even like a virgin, um, and even material girl, the production on it reminded me of a karaoke bar. Like it, that's what it came out to now. Like, this is like, it's almost like someone singing over karaoke. Um, I will say, however, with this song, there were notes and the way that she was singing, I felt there was a gravitas to it that I didn't get from the first four tracks. So I commend that aspect of it where I was like, okay, there's actual emotion here, which again is interesting because she was known for more of, of a pop dance type of thing. And this is not a dance song. So this is one of those, I think, you know, being pushed, this was really pushed by Niles um, to get her out of her comfort zone did it work a hundred percent? No, but I think this is um, a blueprint for what would be later tracks that would work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have "Dress You Up." I, you know, there's something about this song that I actually really enjoy. This is probably uh, my favorite song on the album. Yeah, yeah, honestly, mine too. It's not like the huge. It's not the huge hits. It's like that second tier hit, but it's like 
that second tier hit that should be, in my opinion, more well known than Material Girl or Like a Virgin because this is this is a fucking great song. It really, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like there, there's things musically with it that I really enjoy. Like there's that do 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 do, and like it's just it works and it has a Prince vibe to it too. Yeah. To me, I think that I really enjoy about it. Like, it almost reminds me of Baby, You're Gonna Star now. Yeah, um, I feel like it's also a kind of like a hint of like what her music will kind of, the direction it'll start heading into, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a little bit more. Like a little more with the Vogue and the, yes. the yes. Vogue and like, you know, Like a Prayer stuff and like that. So like, I think that this song, especially that if you're going to point something out, this is like, this is the DNA of what's going to come after and what's interesting is, so Material Girl was not written by her, Like a Virgin was not written by her, and Dress You Up was not written by her. Yet, those are three things that she would take later. Material Girl, not so much, but definitely Like a Virgin and, and Dress You Up and that style and, that, and that, that vibe and really make it her own. So it's really interesting to me that the three major tracks off this album were not ones that were written by her. Um so next one is Shooby Doo. <laughs> this is largely oh. I don't even yeah, this is bad. <laughs> this is uh, not a this is not a not a top tier song at all, Paul. <laughs> no, well and the, the thing is is the track okay, the album itself is only thirty eight minutes. I, a lot of this I think really is filler because this really should have been an EP. Yeah. This should have been four or five songs, in my opinion, and that should have been it. It should have been maybe it should have been Material Girl. I'll give Angel. I'll give Like a Virgin. Love Don't Live Here Anymore. Dress You Up. Go Home. You're done. Like that's what it should have been. Um, next is Pretender. Again, interesting. So, so there's yeah, it's a, lyrically it's interesting. To me. Lyrically it's interesting, and she talks about one night stands in this, which again. Yeah you didn't come out and do <laughs> well she's also talking about like being pressured into it too mm-hmm. which is like you know that's kind of like you know you didn't hear a lot of that in pop music before but no. like not wanting the one night stand but being pressured into it because there's a if he does it once he'll do it twice line so yeah but it's just it, it suffers from musically being uninteresting it suffers from like like, lyrically there's a lot going on here and it's very progressive lyrically it's and i think that is what her saving grace was with a lot of like music heads in the industry was she was going places that people weren't going and she was uh, unabashed about doing kind of like kind of like doing a lot with, with like sexuality and themes and stuff that bowie was doing with like Starting with like Ziggy Stardust and on, just kind of like flipping things on there, bringing up topics that most people really didn't want to talk about. Yes. And where Bowie was still very much giving it kind of the double entendre with Madonna, she was coming out and being more, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. She's being more assertive about it, less cagey, more like, this is, no, this is what we're talking about. I'm talking about fucking. Yeah, I'm talking about fucking. I'm talking about being pressured in the fucking. I'm yes, and so well. And let's get back to that. We'll hold that for a second. Then we'll get stay, which eh. <laughs> again. Yeah, eh. it just it just this album drops like a lead balloon, just like plop. <laughs> really bad after dress you up. Yeah. Um, really, really drops bad. Okay, so yeah, I, I think this. You know, she was coming out with these themes and with these lyrics, and again, you know, even for example, so you know, truth be told, 
Um, I was listening a little bit to, you know, when we were, when I remember I said I had two albums last time, I was either going to be this or was going to be Bruce Willis. I've also been listening to Bruce Willis. And Under the Boardwalk is a cover. When you listen to Under the Boardwalk, it sounds very innocent. But when you look at it, they're talking about fucking under the boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Paul, I'll send you uh, the clip from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they go under the boardwalk in the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Charlie sees two homeless guys butt fucking. <laughs> like, he's like, this is not the wonders under the boardwalk. This is horrifying. <laughs> but it's the wonders under the boardwalk is what it is. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's hilarious. They did that. Um, I, I Yes, they, they – so – there is always these entendres out there. I mean, even the song, um, uh, if you've watched the new kids in the hall, um, Melanie. <laughs> yeah. That, honestly, I'm just going to do a side bar here, Paul. Yeah. I love the new kids in the hall and the Melanie skit with Dave Foley. It <laughs> is my favorite. I was dying. You could ask. My wife will testify. I was dying during that skit. Oh, my God. It's just like the dead eyes. <laughs> like, yeah, that was. Oh, no. Back to Melody. <laughs> you know, Melody's brand new key. <laughs> and we do nothing but rock. Now there's Talk Melanie's about dissonance, <laughs> you know. The jarring comparison of his reality and, like, this... <laughs> The yeah. song, yes. So, <laughs> it's so oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh my God, so, so uh, I would recommend the new kids in the hall season. It's not like you. I saw you post about it. it's not as edgy as their earlier stuff, but I think it it's just as good. And yeah, it's better. I would argue for some of the things. <laughs> for some of the things, because if you look back at the, the early Buddy Cole's glory hole thing, had me die. <laughs> oh my god. I was so glad they brought back Buddy Cole. I was worried they weren't going to. Um yeah, no, okay, so quick aside cuz we're talking about Kazal now for a little bit. Um yeah, you know, so I watched the original, you know, series and it, it does work a little bit better because they always were playing older characters usually, but they were young and that was kind of, you know, the funny thing. Now, I don't know if you saw, it's also on Amazon, Death Comes to Town. I haven't uh, watched that yet. Okay. It's on my list. Like, I, I remember when it came out, I just never got around to seeing it, but I was more excited with the new season because it was back to the sketch comedy. And we should also point out Kids in the Hall. We, can't, we grew up with that in the 90s. Yes, yes, we did. And I think I... They opened, at least like for me, it opened because uh, I didn't know a whole lot about gay people. Mm-hmm. And so sure. when I started watching Kids in the Hall and stuff, I think it kind of made me think about things a little differently. And I love it. I love Kids in the Hall so much. I, I love Kids in the Hall. Because, yeah. oh. <laughs> you know, I think especially in our middle America, right? We talked about it last episode where gay was used as like a derogatory term. Again, it wasn't. It wasn't anything other than that. But then when you look at it from from the kids in the hall and you see these real three-dimensional characters in these situations and it's funny and it it made it less frightening, I think, for middle America. Yeah. Um, I think kids in the hall were very, very instrumental in making homosexuality less frightening. Yeah, and, especially with our generation. With our generation. Because that was like on Comedy Central all the time. And mm-hmm. it was just like you watched it and it was just like this show is, you know, Buddy Cole always stands out. The pen skit 
the pen sketch. My pen! My my pen! My pen! My pen! My pen! uh, That and then my my favorite because I worked worked in record stores is the the doors one. The doors one. (laughs) Record store guy. (laughs) You don't know the doors. You're not doors fan. (laughs) You got that you got that mode? No, I got Depeche mode. (laughs) Yeah. No, like so this new season, and then the melody skit with Dave Foley. Just, yes, <laughs> just because it's like on paper, it's not funny. On paper, but, no. <laughs> but I think like all of us after you know COVID and everything, we could all like deeply relate to that like that routine while we're in lockdown. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> like thousand yard stare on his face. Well, you know, I have friends and I love them. You know, I asked them, what did you do during the pandemic? Oh, we watched The Office three times. And I was like, okay. Yeah. No, you can relate to the Melanie sketch, can't you? Yeah. Uh, no, so anyways, digressing back to Melanie before we get back to Madonna. Uh, that song, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. There's been a lot of like innuendo about, oh, what, is, what, what did they mean? And... Um, you know, it, she came out and said yeah, it wasn't really all that sexual, but people made it sexual, right? We talked about it with Rocky Mountain High. People assumed he talked about getting high with weed. There was a lot of songs out there that you couldn't get away with doing some of the stuff. They tried, like, in the 30s with a lot of jazz music. Holy shit, that's what got a lot of those guys on arrested and on the radar was the lyrical content they were doing. So it started to become, especially in the 40s and 50s, more ex- uh, uh, acceptable if you did it through metaphor, you know, poetically, which is just kind of the way you do with music anyways. But you didn't really talk about, I mean, look at some of the anti-war songs. A lot of them, they were afraid to come out and be like it. You had some people like Neil Young and, you know, that were out there and being very, you know, upfront about it. But a lot of people were kind of alluding to the things. And again, alluding to is Beatles were, the Beatles were the masters of it. We're going to have this song, but what does it mean? You know, what could it mean? You know, look at all these different things of this Madonna. She broke the mold in the regards of kind of breaking that unspoken word, uh, uh, rule music of you don't talk about sex. Yeah. Especially a woman. So unfairly to her, it being the eighties, she was branded as a slut and a whore, um, for talking about adult stuff in an adult manner. Again, you look at this, and where I said, you know, you had mentioned me. Well, why are we? You know, we said we weren't going to do any more controversies. The controversy is that this was ever a controversy. <laughs> well, it might be again, considering how things are going, Paul. You know, uh, yeah, very, very, yeah. Uh, you, you bring up a, a valid point there, sir. Yeah, I mean, and, and dress you up in my love is is. The fact that it was added to the the PMRC for its for its sexual lyrical content. Okay, we you just heard the last two episodes that we did to the live crew, <laughs> 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 and, and 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 NWA coming out with straight up fuck the police, um, and with their lyrical content. Okay, uh, dress you up. Uh, yes. So I got a style. You got a style. That's what all the girls say. 
Satin sheets and luxury is so fine. All your suits are custom made in London, but I got something that you'll really like. Gonna dress you up in my love. All over, all over your body. Um, I wonder, were they worried? I really think that they're worried that she wants sissies. <laughs> like, like, I think that's what it was. I mean, and again, I'm using 80s context here, by the way. Okay, I'm going to get to the next one. Feel the silky touch of my caress. They'll keep you looking so brand new. Let me cover you with velvet kisses. I'll create a look that's made for you. Again, these aren't all that sexual, and yet people are losing their minds. Then the rest of the, pretty much the rest of the song is just going to dress you up in my love, in my love, all over your body, from your head to your toes. That's really the rest of it. It's so repetitive, but it's good. And it's there. So I don't know where they got in those two verses, this grotesque sexual language, Joe. That's right there, Paul. Shook them to their core. (laughs) Again. Okay. (laughs) They were scared. Uh, They were scared of their own shadows, Paul. That was. It was white fright. Yeah, I mean, when you, I mean, okay, and again, let's look at 1984, and then, you know, again, in 1989, you had As Nasty As They Want to Be by Two Live Crew. In 1984, they were worried about lyrics that were so benign, and I will argue, we're still giving that entendre. I mean, things like, uh, feel feel the silky touch of my crest, they'll keep you looking so brand new. Again, that's not great lyrical content to begin with, but to make it, you know, I, and I, you know, there's a lot of sexism on this. I, I, I would nailed it. Led Zeppelin and Van Halen had more, uh, graphic despic- depictions of sexual sexuality, but they got away with it because they were men. Uh, hundred percent. Do we want to talk about backdoor? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, Van, I mean, Van Halen. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, DC, I mean, it was just like, you know, it's fine when guys sing about it, but when a girl did suddenly did, then it was like a controversy, which was, you know, looking back at it. So stupid. Yeah. Yes. Because again, this is, I would say, argue, this is far more benign, especially this album, um, that compared to what was going on by the guys in rock. At the time, even even like a virgin, um, the lyrics are very, very safe. I made it through the wilderness. Somehow I made it through. Didn't know how lost I was until I found you. I was beat incomplete. I was had. I was sad and blue. Now, when you look at that and you realize now what a woman's struggle is, I would argue that's actually really, really, really telling lyrics. But in 1984, no one knew what the fuck she was talking about. Yeah, nobody. Nobody did. And then you made me feel shiny and new, like a virgin touched the very first time. This is a woman who was beaten, sexually abused, and found someone who wasn't an abuser. That is what this song is about. Mm -hmm. And I will argue that throughout this album, there is some really great lyrical content in here that I think are again ruined from the production and i don't blame niles because niles is amazing i don't blame madonna this was unfortunately 
what was happening in that early, you know, from the 70s when things were switching from analog, which you and I both agree, I think analog is a far warmer. I mean, most musical purists like ourselves will argue that when people will tell us we're stupid for it. But I just think it sounds better. But yeah, I will blame them because this is their album. They put their names on it and they decided to go with this production style. You then I think at some point you're listening to the playbacks like this sounds like shit. Yes, I mean, I will admit, I, in my head, I remember some of these tracks, and I remember them sounding better in my head than what they were listening to them on the album. Even, even my, even my, my daughter, who I was, would assume was going to like this, um, she was like, "That doesn't sound very good." She's like, "It just sounds weird." She's like, "It sounds fake," and I was like, "Uh huh, nope, nope, you're not wrong." Uh, you know, I, I would love to see, I know Madonna is kind of doing her own thing these days. I actually would, I'm not a big fan of like remakes or redos and things like that, but I'd actually would love to see her go back to like some of her first couple albums and do a, a, like a, 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 a new version of them, like an updated version. I would love to see it. Sometimes it works, man. Taylor Swift's redone a couple of her albums and they're better than the originals. So there you go. Yeah, no, that's a valid point. I wasn't even thinking of Taylor Swift. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. She has done that, and that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, so you know, now after this, I want to kind of you know give some out. Now, at the time, with the style, with everything, the way the '80s was, and everyone being all still coked out from the '70s and getting in the Reagan's cokeonomics, um, this album was considered like one of the best. Uh, you know, Consequence of Sound ranked at number two in their top 10 greatest sophomore albums of all time. Um, say that this is the album that made Madonna the Queen of Pop. I will argue that it was the follow-up to this, which was True Blue. I think True Blue was a much stronger third album that had six singles off of it, and she produced it herself. And I think that even though you know, I think it's great that Niles is on her. I actually think True Blue is far more of an indication of like that's when I would say Madonna really came into her own because you had Live to Tell, brilliant song, Papa Don't Preach, brilliant song, True Blue, good song, Open Your Heart, good song, La Isa Bonita, great song. Yep. And so uh, I would argue that, again, it was that album. This one needed to happen. It was the stepping stone. But that's what this is. It's, uh, to me, it's another prototype album. It was her finding where she was going. It wasn't fine-tuned. You can see the magic is happening. But it wasn't until True Blue and then uh, Who's That Girl uh, that really solidified her as awesome. And then, you know, uh, yeah from there i mean again she always had a hit you can dance wasn't a great one but then she had like a prayer which made up for everything yeah <laughs> like a prayer is another classic madonna yeah. release um so joe would you recommend like a virgin no unfortunately i'm gonna say no as well i think there are songs here that are I think quintessential. You have to hear them, but you can hear them on a hits collection. Yes, and there honestly, there have been remasters, not necessarily like remakes, but like remasters that 
I think warm these up a little bit, but yeah, there's only so much you can do with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, and there are, there is the 2001, which had the, like a version extended dance mix and material girl, like a dance, like extended mix. Believe me, it it doesn't help. No, no, they (laughs) do not. They do not help. Um, you know, and then again, in the, into the groove, uh, which should have been yeah, it was on the European our, release, but we didn't get it. We didn't get it. We got it as a um, I think as a we got it on the um, desperately seeking Susan soundtrack, but we didn't get it outside of that. I don't think. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about about this album or Madonna in general? Not really. I think we said I <laughs> we said our piece like. It's not a great album. It has great, good, great singles on it, but it, it falls flat. Uh, mm-hmm. She'd be doing much better after this. Yes, and I'm going to allude to what you did as well. Madonna is one of those artists that is just, she is geared towards her greatest hits um, yeah. or an immaculate, com- I think there is, that's what it's called, isn't it? Isn't it the immaculate, the immaculate uh, collection? Piece? And that's like all the stuff up until the early 90s. Yeah, she just released like a greatest hits, like covering like all the decades. And like honestly, once she hit the two thousands, like I'll give her up to Ray of Light because I think that, that had some really good songs on it. Yep. But yep. Uh, after that, it was just it was downhill. She did the music, and that was a fucking terrible song. And yeah, the album was bad. I remember listening to it. Then she did like that protest album where she tries to look like Che Guevara on the cover. Yeah, was, American American Life. American Life. That was a nightmare out. Like, yeah, so like Yeah, she's been around for like she's going on her fifth decade now. Yep, she's going to Awesome. I've seen her live as her at the Billboard Music Awards. Awesome. Power to her. But for me, like she her, the stuff that I think is relevant stops after 1998, 1999. Yeah, I would have to uh, concur with you on that one. I mean, again, I think Ray of Light had some good stuff on it. Um, music, I didn't like anything off of music, unfortunately. Um, American Life, I think there was maybe one song. Uh, <clears throat> but, I mean, the, at this, I mean, at this point, too, she was doing, you know, she'd been doing movies um you know avita was the big one for her and i think really around that time people have said that when she was doing Avita, she changed well, uh, when she developed that british accent yeah people said that Avita was really something that they they uh god who was it i don't remember who it was but they but they equated it to um uh the the the, the, the iceman um Come on, Top Gun, Iceman, help me out here. Val oh, Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yes, thank you. Val Kilmer, when he did The Doors and how he was never the same after doing The Doors, they equated it to her kind of going so method she never got out of it. Um, and, I th- and I've and i kind of concurred with that theory um, just from everything I've been reading and hearing and you know, kind of following with Madonna. There was, there was something that happened around Evita that just completely changed her. Um, you know, but honestly, again, I also re- appreciate her. Uh, I thought she was as serviceable and Dick Tracy. 
Um, Madonna, Truth or Dare. I remember I wanted to see that movie for years. My sister would watch it all the time, and I have to leave the room when she had it on. Um, fine, I did watch it. It's great. She was wonderful in a league of their own. Body of Evidence. I'm sorry, you put Willem Dafoe in any movie. I'm gonna love it. <laughs> um, she was, you know, Four Rooms is one. Is also like a great movie. So yeah, I mean, there's things there. You know, I know people love the next best thing. I didn't. Uh, that's just not my style of movie. Same thing was swept away. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and then I have not seen her 2005 documentary. Um, I, my kids did enjoy, I will say, Arthur and the Invisibles. So they had the video game and the movie. Um, and yeah, I haven't, I didn't see Madame X either. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, to me, it's more about her contribution of what she did. That's super important than any one single album or whatever. Uh, I think that she is uh, like a Bowie. Um, she, I give her props. She's able to just kind of, it seems like seamlessly change um, directions and do what she wants to do. And she's always been very unabashed about it. Um, even with the, you know, the stuff that she's doing now, she just, it's her thing and she embraces it fully and it's believable when she does switch to whatever persona she's doing. So there's my thing on Madonna. All right. That was a lot, Joe. <laughs> so no, I don't recommend the album either. I'm with Joe. Get the greatest hits. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, Joe. I know we got a lot of albums in the can right now, but do you want to tell us, or not, uh, a lot of reviews in the can right now. Do you want to tell us what you and Joe are doing for the Joe Down? Yeah, we don't have anything new yet. We're still okay. charting those waters at the moment, so nope, nothing new. All right. Well, same here. Um, although I will say that um, Griffiny uh, has come to me with now that she knows that the fourth and final season of Stranger Things is coming out. Um, she is interested in revisiting the podcast. Uh, so we'll see if her parents will let that happen. Um, I'm fine with it, but I also understand I don't want her talking to a weird guy in his forties. Because uh, <laughs> that guy's fucking nuts. Uh, so yeah, other than that, uh, that's all I got. Joe, why don't you tell us what we're doing? Not next week. Cause both you and I are gone next week. Uh, but what about the week after? What are we doing, Joe? Oh, in the eighties, whenever Madonna, Michael Jackson had a hit song, this guy was soon to follow. We're doing two albums because they're relatively short. Dare to be stupid. Yes. By Weird Al. Yes. And even worse by Weird Al. Oh my God. Sold and sold. <laughs> I was I mean, gonna... we, we had to follow up Madonna with Weird Al. I completely. If you ever agree. pick a Michael Jackson album, it's going to be followed up by Weird Al. It's, That's... it's just how it happens. It's how we were, we were raised growing up. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is so funny because I just listened to Dare to be Stupid. And because of this album. Uh, so that's great. And then even worse. Uh, yeah, no, these are great. These are great short albums. I'm very happy to do two of them um, back to back. 100% phenomenal. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes, I am. I am sold on these two albums. So we're doing Weird Al, Dare to be Stupid, and even worse. Uh, 
Yep, even worse is because it has one of the most fucked up songs you'd never expect from Weird Al. <laughs> I forget I think it's called Good Old Days. Good Old Days. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good Not expecting days. that kind of song from Weird Al, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and and if I remember correctly, Dare to Be Stupid also has um, one more minute. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Which is another one that you'd go, what? <laughs> Weird Al has a darker side. I love Weird Al's darker side. <laughs> uh, I will say we're not doing it, um, but uh, his um, uh, 3D album, uh, he uh, has a song called Nature Trail to Hell in 3D. And it's actually one of my favorite Weird Al songs. Um, and to give you an idea of also his darker, weird side, my kids, the song Albuquerque is one of their <laughs> favorite songs uh, by him. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, buddy. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sold on this. Okay. So we are both off next week, um, which is fine. Um, and, uh, we'll be back then. Oh shit. No, we're off for two weeks, buddy. Uh, I got, I'm going to be in Chicago, uh, that, that Thursday night, I'm going to be in Chicago. So we are gone for two weeks, which is great because that'll give me time to compile all these and get our third season out. So there we go. There we there go. We go. Yes. So in two weeks, you and I will record again. And by that time, all these ones will be out. So that would be awesome. All right, Joe. Well, do you want to take us out, sir? Nope. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.